Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's see, if you'd open your Bibles, please, now to Exodus chapter 24, are going to continue in our theme here we looked at in our last time studying together about the blood, Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, 24-3. Let's first of all pray. Father, we do say, blessed be the name of the Lord this morning because the Lord has done great things for us and that makes us glad. And so we pray, Lord, that as we open your word now, that you would, Lord, re-speak these words into us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 24, verse 3. Exodus 24, 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words and rose up, and wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So we have seen already how Moses gathered all the people together there at the foot at the base of Mount Sinai, and he proclaimed to them what God wanted them to do. And then we saw how they shouted twice that they were going to do all that God told them to do and they would be obedient. And it was after that vow that the people had made there that, that then we saw how Moses took half of the blood, the blood of the sacrifices, and he sprinkled the altar with the blood. And then he sprinkled the people. And that's when he said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So it's those words that Moses said, behold the blood of the covenant that's just captured our attention, that's caused us to not want to leave here, but really take time to consider what is that blood of the covenant? What does it mean? It's the blood of the coming one as far as Moses was concerned, of the deliverer who was going to have the bloody heel as he crushed the head of the serpent. And as we have looked already and directed ourselves to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and seen something of the special significance for us. I mean, for some, the blood is just nothing more than just a, a cold, sterile doctrine with no personal meaning, no preciousness to it. But for us, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has a very deep, special meaning. It's very personal for us. And this is the issue about the blood of the covenant. The issue here is, is really can be summed up with these words, to us. It's to us. It's a to us blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has great meaning to us. And that's why we can call the blood of the Lord Jesus the to us blood, because it's what it means to us. And that's what the Last Supper was all about. The Last Supper was, uh, was really a to us supper, where we saw the Lord Jesus, he brought his apostles in. They were away from everybody else. It was a very private room, and where he could then reveal the, what his blood meant to us. And the Last Supper in the upper room there on that Passover night was a very intimate time. It was a time that the Lord had with, just with his disciples, and the Lord spoke about how much he desired to have that last Passover meeting meal there with his disciples, with his own when he said in Luke twenty two fifteen, Luke twenty two fifteen, he said it to them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know when he said that? When he said, with desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer? It, was not, it wasn't because he was hungry. It wasn't because he, it was because he wanted in that Passover meal to explain about his blood, to really tell the meaning of his shed blood. That's why the Last Supper is so important for us because at that supper, he made the blood to us meaningful with to us. That's why we restate every Sunday this meaning, this special meaning at the blood at the Lord's table. And let me encourage you, if you haven't come to the Lord's table at 930 if you crack that door at 9.30, I guarantee you everybody's not going to turn around and say, oh, you've come. <laughs> so let me encourage you to come. But at that Passover meal where he had longed so much to have with his disciples, the Lord took a cup of wine. And when he took that cup of wine, it was at the end of the supper. And he held it up and he said these words in Luke 22.20. Luke 22.20, he said, likewise, says, likewise also the cup at the end after the supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. He holds out this cup. He says that it was the cup of the New Testament which was shed for them. The, the word testament is the same as the word covenant. Testament, covenant, covenant, testament, it's the same. So in essence, when the Lord held up that cup, he was saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. The new covenant in my blood. And when he said that, that this is, the co this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, immediately everybody's mind is drawn back to where we are here in Exodus 24. And that was really a aha moment because it was aha. So that's what Moses was referring to in Exodus 24, 8 when he sprinkled the people and he said, behold the blood of the covenant, 
When the Lord Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, then all that Moses said became crystal clear. The blood of the covenant that Moses spoke about was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us. To the world, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ means nothing more than just he died on a cross, and like all men who die on a cross, his blood was shed. But to us, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has far more personal meaning because that's what we're hearing now from Moses when he says, behold, the blood of the covenant. And we've been looking at that, what it means to us personally. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was really good news. It was great news. It was great news. It's great news because the blood alone meets our greatest need. It meets our greatest need. What's our greatest need? Our greatest need is expressed in Job 33:24. Job 33:24, when it says, "Then he is gracious unto him and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom." It's those words, really words of great happiness of God when God he said, "I found a ransom." That's really made God happy when he had the blood of the Lord Jesus as a ransom to deliver us from going down into the pit of hell. And that's really great news for us. So for us, the blood of the Lord Jesus is gospel. It's good news. It's great news. And we've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus, it was the purchase money. It was what was used to purchase or to buy our souls away from the bondage of the devil. The Bible says that whoever commits sin is a servant of sin, is a slave of sin, is a bond, bond person of sin. But for us, the blood was the money that was used to purchase our redemption out of that bondage. As it says in 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18 says, We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus that's the blood of our redemption. And then we saw how desperately we needed to have our sins covered how desperate it was because the shame of our sins, it shouldn't appear like Adam and Eve sowing fig leaves. They knew they had to be covered. And there was nothing that could cover our sins except the blood of the Lord Jesus, as stated in Leviticus 17.11. Leviticus 17.11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement or a covering. That's what atonement means, a covering for your soul's It's the blood that makes an atonement. It's the blood that makes a covering for our souls. So for us, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the covering of our sins. And one of the most terrible consequences of sin is that it distances, it puts a great gap between us and God. It causes a great distance. The more we sin, the more we distance ourselves from God. The farther and farther we, we, we made ourselves from him who is the source of life, the more we went into death. Because as we sinned, we got farther and farther away from God. But the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ fixed that. It brought us back near to God, according to Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh, made near by the blood of Christ. So for us, the blood of the Lord Jesus is the blood that brings us near to God. Another terrible consequence of sin is that it 
has an internal effect. It makes us really dirty inside. And that dirtiness comes from our own hearts. It says in Matthew 15, 19, Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, thoughts of murder, thoughts of adultery, thoughts of fornication, thoughts of stealing, thoughts of lying, thoughts of blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And we so desperately needed a way to become clean. It could be clean on the inside. And it's the blood. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that fixes that problem. As it says in 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. For us, the blood of the Lord Jesus is the blood that cleans. The blood that cleans us. And another terrible consequence Another terrible consequence of sin is the disturbing disturbance that it makes in our hearts. It's the trouble that it causes us. It's what it is, is what causes us to wake up in the middle of the night with no peace. No peace, as God described in Isaiah 57.20. Isaiah 57.20, the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, his waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace saith my God to the wicked. But it all changed for us because of the blood. The blood made peace between us and God. As it says in Colossians 1.20, Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. For us, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ made peace, made peace between us and God. So we continue now to see more of what the blood of the new covenant, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, means to us personally. Now, our sins, they left us with not just the need to be redeemed, which the blood of Christ did accomplish for us. Our sins left us not just with the need to be brought near to God, which the blood of Christ accomplished for us. Our sins left us not just with the need to be cleansed, which the blood did accomplish for us, not just the need to have peace with God, which the blood did accomplish, but our sins left us with the need to have our sins removed, expunged, taken off the record. And the reason that we needed to have our sins removed is because every person is heading for a day, a particular day, that the Bible describes in Acts 17.31, Acts 17.31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. That day is a day when every person is going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ And God has given assurance to the whole world that it's going to happen, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge judge every person when he raised him from the dead, when he raised him from the dead. Now, the empty tomb in Jerusalem is, is a key tourist attraction site. I have a friend, Caesar Flytus. He's, he's a, he's Spanish speaker from Paraguay. And he leads the tours at the garden tomb. And he writes, many, many people from all over the world come to the garden tomb. But you know, there is a sober message from the empty tomb. 
And the fact that the tomb in Jerusalem is empty, it speaks to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ will judge every person because that was the assurance that God gave that this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is ordained to be the judge of every person. The day is the day that is spoken about in Hebrews 9.27. In Hebrews 9.27, where it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Everyone wants to know what's gonna happen after death. When you ask a lost person what's gonna happen after death, how many times have you heard and I've heard, I don't know and no one knows? Well, God knows, and God has made it very clear what will happen after death. What happens after death is judgment. Nothing in between. Pointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. A person closes their eyes in death, and the next time they open their eyes, it will be in judgment. Ecclesiastes 12.14, Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. See, on that day, Every secret thought, every action, every word is going to be brought out in the open for judgment. And man has no chance, man has no chance of surviving that judgment. His only hope is to have all his secret thoughts, all his actions, all his words removed. All of his, all of the evil expunged from the record before the day of judgment. Because the fact of judgment makes for every person the absolute necessity to have the sins removed, to have them taken away. Now, the word that the Bible uses for removing sins is the word remission, remission. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished this removal or this remission, as it says in Hebrews 9.22, Hebrews 9.22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission, is no removal. The reason we need remission is because of the very sad fact that we're all sinners. It's a sad fact. It's a sad fact that we're all like sheep. We are all the sheep of Isaiah 53.6, Isaiah 53.6, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible self-confession in Isaiah 53, 6. That's, that's, that's people speaking. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's a horrible self-confession to be dumb and to be stubborn and to not care at all about God's way. We only care about our own ways. That's the iniquity. That's the iniquity that the Lord laid on him, laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, All of us are going our own way instead of God's way, and it leaves us with this desperate need. We need forgiveness. We need cleansing. We need removal of those sins of iniquity. And it's only as a person owns up to his sinfulness, it's only as a person faces the fact that he's a sinner that he can receive help from God. Because as long as a person says, I'm really not that bad of a person, you know, I wouldn't call myself a dirty, rotten sinner. Oh, no, not me. As long as a person takes that position, then God says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I can't help you. Reminds me of an exchange I had a, with a with, um, text message with, a, with an Orthodox rabbi friend after I wrote him of how the Lord Jesus solved the sin problem. He wrote, he wrote back to me these words. Tom, stop living in a negative world focused on sin. 
partner with God to transform the world. Well, the sad fact is that the world is sinful, and it's just not possible to stop living in a world, a sinful world, and to ignore the sad fact that sin is real, judgment for sin is real, and there needs to be preparation for this judgment by having the sins removed. But this statement by the rabbi, it shows a very common thinking that sin is a problem with the world. It's a negative world. It shows the deception of thinking that sin originates from a faulty society. You know, all we have to do to fix the sin problem is just transform, change the world, change the faulty society. That's a wrong idea of sin because sin is not a problem of the world. It's not a problem that the world has developed wrongly because that's not where sin comes from. Sin comes from within. It doesn't come from the world or society going from the wrong direction. In other words, their thinking is we can get rid of sin if we can just change the direction of the society. But the Bible doesn't agree with that conclusion. Another lie that people believe today is that sin comes from just dysfunctional families. It's a family problem. The reason people do sinful things is because they don't have a good upbringing. You know, they weren't raised in good families. They When they were growing up, they didn't have good role models. That's what the origin of sin is all about. It's a bad family life, bad social development at home. That's the problem. We can get rid of sin if we just change families to become wholesome like they used to be, like we see on Leave it to Beaver and that family. We can get rid of sin if we just change dads to be good dads. We change moms to be good moms like the good old days. But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree that the origin of sin comes from the home. And then another deception is when people say, well, well, sin comes from Hollywood. It's Hollywood, it's media, it's all of that. It's a glorification of murder and war and hatred and adultery and so forth. It's Hollywood that puts all those wrong ideas in the head. We can get rid of sin if we just change Hollywood to produce those good old wholesome films that instill good wholesome values and get back to the films that only have the G rating, But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree that's where sin comes from. Another deception that people have is that people say, well, sin comes from all those temptations. All those temptations. There are so many temptations today. There's so many temptations to take drugs. Such easy access. So many temptations from the internet easily fall into pornography. Sin comes from all those temptations. It's all those circumstances of life. It's all those pressures in life. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. 
Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 